All right. Welcome back to another live version of Life Leadership and the Pursuit of Greatness. I'm your host, Tim Lovell, along with Dwayne Mathis. We have an exceptional guest with us tonight. Coach A.D. Kurt Earl from Lincoln, Nebraska is going to join us. We're going to get with him in just one minute. We've got a couple things we want to take care of. Number one, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, if you want to be a better leader, uh, this is a great place to be. Uh, Coach Earl has uh, a culture coordinator business that he kind of does on the side, but he is all about empowering you to be a better coach. It doesn't matter what sports you're in. And that's the that's the message uh, Coach Mathis and I want you to take away from tonight. Uh, be a better version of yourself in the next 60 minutes. The things we're going to talk about, you can put in tomorrow to make your program better. It doesn't matter your football. We're football coaches here, uh, but we're also just looking to be better leaders in everything we do. So we know that you're going to walk out of here feeling rejuvenated, repurposed, and ready to take on the challenges that uh, you have to deal with, even in the environment that we're dealing with right now. Um, we have a quick shout out that we need to give to uh, Coach Nate Alba. He's broadcasting this live on his uh, clinic.chiefpigskin.com website. Coach Alba does an amazing job for football coaches that are looking for anything and everything related to program development, X's and O's, leadership, culture. Uh, we're just happy to be uh, a part of what he's doing. Uh, so, again, thanks for joining us. Uh, Coach Mathis, I've been talking here for a minute, but, man, you're sitting there quiet. Uh, how are you tonight, dude? Doing well. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, first uh, full week back here in the weight room and on the on the football field. So, uh, trying to get my sea legs back underneath me, uh, you know, get those coach legs going. And, and so it's, uh, it, you know, I kind of, I'll be honest, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a grind. I, I'm, I'm feeling my age a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, it's tough when you're 31 years old trying to get yourself back together. It's, uh, uh it's really challenging. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Uh, I, I love it though. It's awesome that you get to do that. Yeah. Thir 31 years old. I think that's a good segue into coach Earl. You know, so absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let's bring him in. Coach Earl, how are you, man? I'm I'm good. I'm not 31 either, but <laughs> we can pretend. <laughs> yeah, so uh, but I'm I'm good. And and like you were just saying, Coach, uh we've been able to do a lot more this month and it's been a lot of fun so far, but it it did take it out of me the first few days. You do have to get used to it. It's fun. You gotta get back in that coaching shape, that teaching shape, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Absolutely. I, yeah, always, I always joke around that first week of school. It's kind of like your voice yeah. is a little bit rougher than it's used to because you're talking all the time and you got to get that teacher voice back. And yeah. so now I say it's uh, I never I've never had this long of a break, you know, in between things. So yeah. you got to get those coach legs back and, and in shape for sure. Well, Coach Earl, you're, you're our featured guest tonight. We're just really honored you're taking time. You're in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're here in Iowa. Dwayne's in the central part of the state. I'm in eastern Iowa, uh, and we're seeing each other live. That's the beauty of technology. And just really want to make sure that you understand how grateful we are you taking time uh, to help us be better tonight. Um, so you, you've got quite a story. Uh, you've got a you've got a cultural coordinator uh, business that you're running. Um, you're a coach. You're an AD. You also teach. Um Tell us how you got to where you are right now. We'd love to hear your backstory, and then we'll dive into the whole subject of leadership, which is why we're here today. Yeah. Well, it all started in 1990, or not. Just kidding. That's not when I was born. But uh, um, so, you know, part of, my, well part of my story of being a teacher and a coach is that my dad is a teacher and a coach, and uh, still coaching to this day. Retired from teaching, but in fact, just in within the last month, got a new head coaching job. He's been a girls' basketball and a boys' basketball coach my whole life. Um, so that's a big part of it. I had some really great um, mentors, coaches that I just ad admired tremendously in high school. And at some point it just clicked that I want to do that. I want to do what I've lived my whole life with my dad. And I want to do um, 
for other young men, especially, but young women too, what those coaches had done for me. And so that, that made it pretty simple for me uh, as far as what I wanted to study in college and where I wanted to go. And, and uh, it's, it was the right choice. Sometimes when you're 17, you make the right decision. Sometimes you don't. Um, and it worked out really well for me and I'm, I'm glad to be here. So, yeah. So when you look at what you're doing now, you're the AD football coach. Um, how, how did that role evolve for you? Can you talk into that a little yeah, bit? Yeah. So I, I, when I came here, I was just in my second year of teaching and coaching. I think I was 25 years old and um, uh, coaching as much as I could. I was assistant football, um, junior high basketball, assistant track, junior high track, did all those things, was the head track coach for a little bit, uh, like seven years, more than a little bit, I guess. And then, um, you know, just continued to be faithful and all the roles that were given to me and, and, and different opportunities came up. And, um, as I grew into being a head coach, really recognized that all of a sudden I had to, to be keeping an eye on and managing and leading in a way that I had anticipated, but of course it's bigger and more than you ever really know until you actually step into those shoes. Right. So that's kind of the, the, the way that I began to think about culture coordinator, you know, recognizing that as football coaches, we have, offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators and sometimes even special teams coordinators depending on your level of play and and yet someone's got to coordinate the culture and so as that began to evolve I think that gave me opportunities to just start talking with other coaches around school to start talking with other coaches in our area people I know well and then eventually when it came time to that we needed a new AD um, that was a big part of what made me say hey I would like to do this role uh, here's here's what I want to try to bring to the table, help helping coach coaches, um, and so that's where we're at. I would hope that my coaches would would feel that I'm I'm doing a good job with that. And of course, as a relatively new AD heading into my third year, uh, still learning a ton every day. But uh, that's sort of how things have evolved and, and how things have gone forward. So it's been it's been great and a lot of lot of challenges. Anytime you step into leadership and learning all the things you got to learn and doing the things you got to do, but. Um, just really glad to have the opportunities every day. Coach, when, when you talk about uh, some of the people that have had the most profound influence on yourself, mm-hmm. who do you immediately reach to and think of? Yeah, well, I, I have, a, a, you know, my parents did a great job in so many ways and, and uh, all parents make a lot of mistakes too, but I, I, I'm blessed to have parents who are, are still married and uh, I still go home to the same home I grew up in until I was 12 and uh, we moved away and came back because we owned it and rented it for a long time. But like, there's just that consistency that you can't replace. I think that's a big part of what helps me feel grounded and feel comfortable taking risks and leading, you know? Um, But then other big influences, uh, coach Mack, who maybe would hear this someday. I don't know, coach Johnson. I mean, track coaches, football coaches, um, coach Brittenham, guys that took an interest in me, not just because I was good at something, not just because I was a player or a good athlete, but because I was a person they cared about. And the older I get, the more that I realized how important that was for me and the more I really appreciate them and try to try to be the that version of that person here at Lincoln Christian for other people. And uh, um, they they still are better at it than I am, I think. But uh, that, that was a huge, huge part of what was um, – beneficial to me about sports and about high school in general. 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's really special that you recognize that because I think Dwayne and I would fully admit this, just like you have, that, man, we're not anywhere where we feel like we we want to be in terms of leadership and and skill and all that. And maybe not always having the right thing to say, but when you follow people who have set the tone so well mm-hmm. and you call them and you're like, hey, how would you handle this? And they give you the answer. You're like, how did you think of that? Like right now, yeah. you know, and it's just called experience. And I think it's understanding where you are and, and knowing that it's okay to lean or stand on the shoulders of, of really great people who have made a difference for you. Um, so the, tying that into this whole podcast that we have, Life, Leadership, and Pursuit of Greatness, leadership comes in many different forms, uh, has a lot of different definitions. So we'd, we'd love to hear how you unpack that term. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we all have, I think it's John Max- Maxwell that just defines leadership as influence. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty straightforward. Everybody's influencing and has that opportunity. I, I think you can get overly complicated with trying to define leadership for what it is. My brother actually has a PhD in, in some, in like uh, higher ed management or something to that effect. And he'd be like, come on now, there's better definitions. But I, 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 yeah, I try to keep it simple in the sense that um, we've all got opportunities to lead. And I think, I think it's Maxwell again, that has those five levels of leadership that I could not name off the top of my head, but we've been working with those some with our players in terms of just, you know, are you influencing people because you have positional? That's one of them. Or is it really, you know, just because you're a senior or just because you're the starter or are you influencing people because you've, you've developed that personal relationship and you care about them and you've got an opportunity to, to speak into their lives. Um, so when I, when I think about leadership, you know, the, the other big thing with that is, is being a servant leader and being willing to serve, um, the cause and willing to serve the organization. So for example, even, even just this Friday, now that we're allowed to get together a little bit more as a team, we're going to get together and talk about here's who we are as Lincoln Christian football. And we have what are called critical definitions. And like, this is who we are. And if you feel called to leave lead in this environment, then we want you to step up and be a, and a, a team leader. And we're going to go through a process to kind of get to who is the, the core group of guys. But, um, you know, it, it's about buying in and believing in the place that you're at and, and being willing to serve in that organization and influence others towards wanting to serve as well. And, and, uh, yeah, there's a lot, a lot you could say there, but that's some, just some of the basic things we're working with as a program right now. And, and that I try to think of as myself as the AD as well. So. Love it. I think that's uh, really awesome in the fact that uh, you, when you talk about, you know, why, how people get put into positions of leadership, you know, some may look to people because they are been in a program for a while, mm-hmm. even though they may not be a, a vocal person. And we all know as coaches that, uh, sometimes your best leaders aren't even those rah rah type of, mm-hmm. of people. It's it's they're showing by, you know how they you know lead by action, and uh, you know I think that uh, when you say that, um, you know to me the most profound leaders are the ones who develop those relationships with mm-hmm. those players or, or you know with their peers, and they show that you know they care about each other on, on more than a, a superficial level. But you know how how do you handle in your program? Uh, you know, cause on the opposite side, you know, people can lead and not lead in a good way, mm-hmm. you know, just because you know, we've all, I've had players in, in my program that, you know, they just have that charismatic personality. So, so kids just naturally flock to them and, but they're not doing, you know, maybe they're not representing your program in a positive light, or maybe they're not, uh, you know, participating in, in your, 
you know, out of season program or, or anything like that. So how do you direct your players away from those, those leaders that maybe necessarily aren't leading in a good way? Yeah, I think the, the key thing for us has been consistently having these talks and times together when we're defining who we are very clearly. And if as a freshman, you're recognizing who we are, then by the time you're a senior, if you're not really fully bought in, but you still want to be on the team, you're probably not going to use that charismatic personality to try to go against the grain. So I, I see it as a momentum thing, like create enough momentum towards who we really are, that it's very tough to go against the grain. Um, you know, but the, that, that's not always the case. And, and when, when you've got people who come in maybe later on, or, which doesn't happen a ton, we don't have transfers, not like people might accuse us of or think, but that doesn't happen that often. Or like, uh, or if someone really does just go through the system and yet is still very strong willed about their own direction. The biggest thing for me is as many one-on-one -on -one conversations, talking through that together, um, and, and letting them know that it's not about trying to squelch them, but it's about trying to get them to see that they're part of something that's bigger than them and that they're going to have to, to, to get with the program, so to speak. Um, or it's going to be a tough journey and we're not all going to have nearly as much fun together as we can. And, and there's times when they're not going to even buy into that. And then, and then you've got a different conversation, you know, then it's time to talk about, a lot of things and, and talk about whether or not they really want to continue to be involved and not, well, I'm not going to push them away or kick them out. We certainly have not had to do that in my time as head coach, but there, there have been times when I've had conversations with young men about like, do you really want to be a part of this? What, what has you here? Let's talk through that. You know, so it's time intensive, you know, I, that's the hardest part, especially at a, a school, small schools or, 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 you know, Christian schools like ours and, and like some of the smaller schools that a lot of people listen and work at, you know, it, there's not, we got a lot of things going. We have a lot of, of duties and responsibilities and titles because everybody gets stretched thin. And so that time intensive type of thing is a challenge, but I think it's the only way to do it right too. So. I'm interested in, in hearing your thoughts on, you know, we've had coaches that have, you know, said that, look, you know, they're not afraid to kind of cut their losses on a player. Uh, sounds like you've never had to do that. I mean, is that something that you subscribe to in your program or do you always feel like you're going to continue to work with that athlete no matter how challenging they may be? Yeah, I think our culture here at Lincoln Christian on a bigger perspective would be, you know, we're going to try to work with people as long as we can. But we also recognize that that being a part of a co-curricular activity is a privilege, not a right. It's not like the classroom. It's a different place. And we need to, we need to understand that and respect that. Um, and that's the kind of conversation I've definitely had with people, you know, like we don't have, you don't have to be here. We don't have to allow you to come every day. Um, so we are asking you to step back and, and ask if you really ask yourself, if you really want to be bought into who we are, you know, um, I, I think there could come a point where we need to, uh, we would have to do that with, with an athlete. Uh, but I haven't, you know, I haven't personally been there, but I think some of that is because our greater school culture is, um, positively pushing towards a lot of the same things. And so it's pretty rare for a, a kid, a young man or young woman to go out for a co-curricular activity with a completely different mindset than, 
what the coach is at is probably expecting. So we don't we don't deal with that a ton, but we certainly could. And and I think there's a point at which uh, addition by subtraction is a real thing. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to count a guy out too soon. That's for sure. Well, one of the beautiful things about this podcast is certainly has challenged you know Tim and I. I think both to kind of reflect on some of our own things and. You know, sometimes maybe, you know, that's the easy solution, you know, to the addition by subtraction or you think you're just going to eliminate that and you're going to all your problems will be will be solved. But sometimes I think, uh, you know, it's it's allowed me to reflect that, you know, maybe, you know, in situations we just need to work a little bit harder to try to reach those those athletes that we you know are privileged to work with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I had a group a few years ago that I, they wouldn't mind me sharing this and 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 uh, so this is it'll be fine. But. They, they probably were more, they were more individualistic to some degree than I would have liked to have seen. And it took some time for us to get on the same page. And I had to, I had to talk with them more than I have had to with other groups. And they were the most talented group I've had as a head coach. And we were a, probably a top 10 team by the end of the season, we we're playing good football. Um, but it took some back and forth and it took a lot of, um, a lot of just, hearing them and being willing to listen to them and and getting them to recognize how they could come together and enjoy the team aspect as much as as they uh, as they could or the individual aspect and and in the end I, those guys I think would say we had a great year and their senior year was fun and a lot of them accomplished their goals but um, I don't know how hot, how hot they were on me at times maybe a year before that but it took some time and I, I think ultimately uh, we would all say it, it worked out well. I could have, and you see this in a bigger program. First of all, if I just got rid of everybody, I'd, I'd have to be careful. I don't have many players, but like in the, in a big program, you, you could see a lot of those guys just slowly not get playing time and then slowly self-select out because they're being kind of gently pushed. And, you know, one, we don't have that option Two, That's not who we want to be at Lincoln Christian. And so we, it just took some more time than normal and, um, but well worth the investment in the end, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's that, that, that's kind of how that's gone, uh, at least in one particular season for us. So you started the culture coordinator because you wanted to to really try to expand how culture was built. You talked about having a system for offense and defense, but a lot of coaches don't have a system for building their culture. So when you got to be the AD, you, you kind of went full throttle on this is what you said, if I heard you right. Um, and, and so talk about pushing that down, pushing your system down to your coaches to help them, you know, expand their 20 square feet with the players that they coach and with the, with the other coaches that you are the boss of. Yeah. So I don't know. So one of the things that we are going to really do this year is talk more about this system, uh, the, the way we want, not the system, but a, a way to be thinking more systematically about installing culture. We haven't done a ton of that. Um, yet as as a activities department athletic department um just because we've had a lot of change and transition and so we're still really defining things and getting buddy everybody on the same page and some of those kind of things um so one of the things that you know if you if you pull up the culture coordinator website and you you find the, the the checklist for how to do you know install your culture it's not quite that clean and pretty uh, here because I'm in, you know, I'm stepping in with different coaches at different stages and some of them are, are, are um, in their 15th, 20th year, you know, and doing a really great job. And some of them are brand new this year. And so I try to meet them all where they're at. But I think the, the biggest thing that we really focus on 
uh, at Lincoln Christian that is important, and I think this is important no matter where you're at, is just building trust. Uh, Daniel Coyle in his book, uh, Culture Code, uh, talks basically his first, there's three sections and the first two sections aren't labeled building trust, but that's basically what he's talking about. Uh, it is just the way he saw these elite cultures building trust, the leaders building trust, the, the athletes and players within those building trust. And uh, so we, we talk about that a lot and relationships is one of the core values of the school. And um, that's a key part of that. And then, you know, I think the biggest mistake I made as a new head coach and one of the things I'm, I'm careful to, you know, come alongside and um, talk with coaches about uh, here at Lincoln Christian or other places is to not cast vision until you've really built that trust or to not expect people to buy in and run with that vision until you've built that trust. And I think in my first year, that was my biggest mistake. I had a big vision plan. I had all these exciting things we wanted to do, taking over for the head coach that I'd coached under for 10 years and wanted to continue so much of that and continue to build on that. But no one knew, even though I'd been around for a long time, they could trust me as the head coach yet. That was yet to be seen. And I, I underestimated that. And as a result, at the end of the first year, I think I got um, – I think a few players felt like I only cared about them if they could contribute to the, to the vision that I was trying to cast. And, and then as another result, uh, after my, so it was my third year, by the time that had kind of trickled down, we were down to just 24 players. And um, I had to step back and really realize that I think I had skipped that building trust phase. I'd assumed trust because I'd been here for so long because I'd coached some of their big brothers, you know, those kind of things. And so I had to step back and go back to that building trust and thinking about that more carefully. And I'm hopeful that that's a big part of why we're going to have close to 40 guys on the team this year, that that's part of why that swung. I can't prove that. That's all just what I'm hoping is part is happening because of the way I'm trying to go about things. So, um, yeah, when, now your question was more about, you know, how does that look when, um, when leading and when I'm kind of the boss and I want to, you know, I think it's important, you know, uh, if there's an AD out there listening, you always got to remember that um, it can be, uh, you know, a a prophet is well received everywhere except for his hometown. And not that I'm a prophet or anything to that effect, but I try to, to bring other coaches in our system and from outside into that learning environment and into that growing. So a year ago, our boys basketball coach um, did some speaking at a clinic we put on just for our coaches. I did some speaking, uh, actually a a school parent actually, who is now our head girls basketball coach. He spoke because he's been involved with leadership training for years and is really passionate about that. Um, I should connect you guys maybe. And then, um, and then, um, this year we've got Ron Brown from Nebraska coming in and speaking here in August. We got Justin Erickson, who's a name probably not as well known, but has worked with, uh, FCA and is, I I think his current role is at, uh, as a chaplain at, uh, Arizona Christian University, I believe. And I've been conversing with him on some things. And so all these men have this, we all have the same things to say, you know, uh, that I just mentioned. And so because we need to get, we need to deliver the same information and and get people to buy in. um, I'm trying to help that come from different sources and not set myself up as some sort of guru or know-it-all or or come off that way because that's obnoxious and and try to be a guide on the side that is helping our coaches and um, connect them to resources that are like-minded and will will push them in in the direction that, that we think is important. So I just talked for a long time, but I hope hopefully that was helpful. 
No, you did. And, and you know, we've heard, uh, we've had an AD on, um, and he was talking about first meeting he went into was um, we're going to build champ, we're win championships and, and uh, build, a, um, build players. Mm-hmm. And so he had some coaches that had been in that room a long time and started chuckling, like, we're never going to win championships here. And then he, he looked at him and said, well, maybe it's time that you find another job. And, uh, and he didn't mean it like yeah. if you don't win. Yeah you're going to lose your job. It was more of the mentality right. of mm-hmm. what is what are you expecting um you know from your from your coaches and then what are they expecting from their players because listen we all want to win and i think you know i think it would be silly for us to even be in the possession if we didn't want to win right we're all competitors we all did that right. but there's also a process that has to go into it and i'm going into year 5 and uh, i will tell you it is a process yeah. you know it's turning an ocean liner around we had some ups we had some downs um, you know, Dwayne and I have both been on the, the wrong end of a perfect season and, Me too. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, it's, um, yep. you know, you learn a lot about yourself, about what your priorities are and, and how it, and, and, and it shakes you to the core, but ultimately, um, it's things like this that ultimately get you back to center and make you realize, okay, I, I do, I do think I have an idea of what I'm doing. Here's how I need to push it out f- differently, mm-hmm. um, to make sure that people are on the same page with what we're doing. And so, um, when we come uh, when we come back after our, our break here in just a little bit, we're going to break down some of your culture coordinator things. But I'm curious, and I know Dwayne is, like, what are some of the non-negotiables that you have in your program as, as you come in and, and you're talking? And you talked about building trust, um, but really from a program standpoint, what are the things that you're like, this is, this is really who you are, who we are? I know you mentioned you talk, you're going to talk with your players this week kind of about that, but what's that look like? So as far as like our, our definitions and some of those, like how do we define who we are? Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah. What are the things that you yeah. you tolerate and do not tolerate in your program? Yeah. Well, I think the the, the big thing is how we define success. So we're, we're going to say the way we say it, and we're at a Christian school, so this isn't for everybody, but we're going to pursue our God-given potential and become more like Christ in the process. And if we can look back on any workout, practice, game, season, career, and say that happened, we were success. We were successful. So when you ask, what do we tolerate and what do we not tolerate? Um, we tolerate things that help us get to that end. <laughs> we don't tolerate things that don't, and um, that's a big part of it. Uh, uh, is is having that? I just believe so clearly in having clear definitions of who we are and what we're really all about, and where, what that looks like. We talk a lot about what should be motivating you, and I don't. I have a whole motivation chart with seven levels, eight levels for us. Uh, here at Lincoln Christian. And I don't tell you, I'm not going to accept anything below this, but I'm going to ask you, why wouldn't you be at this, this top one up here? You know, why wouldn't you be motivated by a love for your team and a love for the school? And then uh, why wouldn't that be something that's compelling you, you know? And ultimately for us, um, if you're a believer in Christ and, and why wouldn't his love for you be something that motivates you and compels you? So you giving them tools to help evaluate themselves so they can begin to self reflect on, what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable around here because of who we are and what we're really all about. And the more clear you can be about those kind of things, I think the more that we, you can, you can get kids to self-select and because their hearts are changed, they want to, they want to be what you're looking for instead of just trying to modify behaviors. And then it gets pretty easy to say, that's not who we are. And we got to talk about that. And, and then there comes a point when consequences and those kind of things come around as well. So. Well, I think we all know that the, the best coach out there was Jesus, right? I mean, that guy that guy did it all the right way every time. 
Um, but I, I think you say it best is, you know, if, if we don't have your heart, we're not going to have your behavior. Yeah. And I think that goes to a relationship with, with your savior, if you believe that, yeah. uh, and your relationship you have with your teammates in your school district. Yeah. And one thing I wrote, a, a, one of the little blog posts that has gotten read quite a bit is the title was like the biggest mistake I see coaches making when it comes to culture or something like that. And my whole point was too many people are just simply trying to modify behavior. They're they're okay with that. And I want to build, I, I want to change a heart. I want to, I want to build men in my program who I don't have to monitor them 24 seven. I'm not trying to modify their behavior because they're doing what we want people to do and becoming the type of men we want people to become um, on their own free will. Uh, it, and like we talked about earlier, that's way harder than modifying behavior. Modifying behavior is pretty easy. It really is. Getting people to buy in and, ch- and have a changed heart is a completely different deal. It's a lot more challenging. So, so Coach, I'm, I'm interested, and this is a question that I, I've asked a lot of our, our different uh, guests, but, um, you know, obviously you've been coaching for over uh, a decade, so a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you would look at your program, maybe your first couple of years, compare it to now, what is the evolution that you, that you see in your program? Has it, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you were much like us and it's a process and we grow and we learn. And, you know, if I certainly looking back at my first year, our program would not probably look exactly the same. So, and this is kind of more in line of, you know, if you look back and kind of reevaluate some of the mistakes that you made, what they look like. Yeah. I think the the biggest ones uh, mistakes I made were I, I had to admit to myself a few years ago really that my own agenda and my own pride were were, were ranking too high in every interaction, <clears throat> and so the more that I've been able to say what am I really all about, um, the more that I've been able to step back and be patient and let the program be player led, which is really the way you want it to be, but help those players lead it well, you know. Um, you said you, you've been on the wrong end of a, a undefeated season and I've been there too. And, and those are the kind of questions you start to wrestle with and you have to be honest with yourself with when you have those types of things occur. And, and um, so I think that one of the big takeaways from that very challenging time was um, what am I really all about here and who do I really want leading this thing? And that's, that was big for me. Um, to, to learn and grow in that area. And I'm still figuring that out. I'm not perfect. I was cursed a little bit on the early end of my career with some really good success as a, as a coordinator and some good teams. And our head coach, Matt Farrop was doing a great job, which is another guy I should have mentioned as a great influence. Um, and, and I just had gotten, I had, it was good for me to go and nine. It really was. And it probably wasn't good for my seniors, but it will be when they get to be my age, they'll probably feel the same way about it. So, uh, you know, it just, it, it, I think that's the biggest thing when you ask that question, mistakes and changes, uh, this year's team is going to be the most player led team I've ever been a part of. I'm, I'm confident unless that's that darn virus keeps us from it. So, so do you think that, uh, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, looking back on stuff, do, do you feel that, um, the success that you had as a coordinator tainted your, you know, the realism of, of going into your first job as a head coach, like you were going to come in, you kind of had the blueprint, you were going to, you know, hit, hit the ground running and, and be firing on all cylinders. Maybe potentially, I think, um, 
I think that that could have gone the other way though. You know, it's, it's all about my own personality and another guy's personality, what you're taking from your own experiences, um, how your past and how your worldview teaches you to evaluate those things. Um, so I would say maybe it did, you know, but I, I would also say that it's, you know, it, it could have gone another way too. So again, just being really honest and like a counseling session here a little bit, but I, I, you know, I had to reflect on those things and realize yeah. it's time to grow up a little bit, you know, and, uh, to do this a better way. And, and hopefully my guys see that. And, and I have, I'm really blessed. I have five former players as assistant coaches and then, a, and then one or two random people helping that are good men that aren't assisting that didn't play here. <laughs> and, uh, and so that says a lot about what, you know, God was gracious and, and built really great relationships. Even when I look back, I'm like, man, they, they could choose to hate me. It was, I was not the best guy. And, and then seeing um, where we've come to. And, and I think those guys would point out uh, that, that we've all grown a lot in the, in all these things that we're talking about here. So, yeah. All right. Well, coach, um, let's get into your culture coordinator piece. You, you talked about, you used the word compelled. I absolutely love that word. Um, when I, when I had my player meeting, parent meeting at the end of our banquet for all the returning players, and there were four things that we looked at. Are you compelled? Are you, are you committed? Are you compliant? Or are you cynical? Yeah. And, and like that. that's good. Yeah. Um, you know, the bottom 10 was the cynical, the top 10 was the compelled, you know, that's really where you'd like to be. And then the middle 80% is somewhere between committed and compliant. And how do we move people up? And you, I've, I've used your seven little or eight, eight, mm -hmm. eight piece motivator. Where are you on that spectrum? And so mm -hmm. talk about that. How did you develop that? And then, um, I, I just think internal motivation is such a challenging subject with young, young men because, uh, they tend to be so prideful and, um, and not wanting to look bad in front of their peers, if you will. Yep. Yeah. So that is a, the, a culmination of a decade's worth of just thinking and chewing on things. And a, a lot of guys could probably be listed as co-authors on, on that chart. And uh, just, it, but I'm so hardwired to like, I, I, I'm wired to make things like that. Even if they end up being terrible, I try, you know, and sometimes they work out really well. And I think this is one of the things I've gotten the best feedback on. So <clears throat> the bottom three, let's just, I'll just run through some basics on this thing. Cause I think they're really important. The bottom three are fear, uh, shame, and pride. <clears throat> if you're motivated by fear, shame, and pride. And if you, on the chart, which, um, you, you can see at culturecoordinator.com or some other places we, we can get you connected to it one way or another. It talks about what, what will you do? How do you behave if you're motivated by fear, shame, and pride? And the big thing about fear, shame, and pride is that they are what I call audience dependent. So a real or imaginary audience has to be involved. So it's a real audience because maybe it's coach and you only work hard if coach is watching. It's an imaginary audience. If maybe it's like that big crowd in the stands at the, at the district championship or the semifinal that you want to be in. And you're working hard now because you want to be there later, or you're working hard now because coach is watching you, um, or you're working hard now because you don't want to get embarrassed week one against the upperclassmen. That's shame, you know, or I always tell guys, Hey, you get, if you get, if you're lucky enough to be a D one recruit, what's the first thing you're going to see when you walk in the front doors of that university that wants you to come play bunch of trophies, right? That's pride. And, uh, ultimately like pride is, is, you know, they're good. That's a big appeal that a university is going to make to it to you. And it's, that's not awful, but if that's all that school has is that pride in those trophies, uh, I would think twice. Cause they don't, they may or may not care about you as a person, you know? 
And I also point out that all those things are fleeting. They're ups and downs. And around here, I can say, and I hopefully we get this fixed around here, but I can say this now, who's more motivated to walk on and give their all to the University of Nebraska, a 1990s Lincoln kid or a guy today in 2020, you know, and they get it. Like they understand that, yeah, that is audience dependent and the audience may care more or less depending on how the place is doing and fear, shame, and pride are that way. Mm, love it. Um, so those are, so those are some, those are the bottom three. And then the, the top three or the top four that you, you get are um, starts with the love for self, love for the game, love for uh, teammates. And then a, finally a love for the team. So love for self is you'll work hard to meet your own goals Love for the game is you just like doing the stuff. You'll work hard because you just like doing the stuff. You just like it. You know, I always tell kids win, lose or draw. I showed up at 8 a.m. Monday morning for film review with our OC in college because what else would I do at 8 a.m. on a Monday? I just loved it. That's why I'm here doing it still, you know, Um, and some days those were awful. Some days those were great meetings. It just it depended on how I did, you know, and I showed up, you know, I loved it. Um, love for teammates is the idea is there is that you and you'll, you'll work hard with your boys. You'll work hard with your buddies, your guys that you're tight with, but not necessarily everybody. And you're going to help them, but you're not going to help everybody because you're not really about the team goals. You're about your goals and your good friends goals. And that's about it. And then people who are motivated by love for the team and work hard because of their love for the team truly are willing to make trade-offs, make sacrifices, do whatever it takes to help the team really be the best it can be. And then, so those are all, those last four I call audience independent because you don't need anyone present to do those. You're going to do those regardless of who's watching or regardless of who might be watching in the future. And um, just helping them see the difference there and draw that line caref- uh, clearly for them that there's dependent audience dependent and audience independent. And even just that kind of that line in the sand there between dependent and independent, they begin to see, oh, yeah, making going up here, the higher you go up, the longer lasting, the more um, this will work uh, for me. That That's a deeper level of motivation that I want to try to get to. So so we talk through those things and, and help them understand a little bit about how that um, can work. And then I also always try to emphasize, I don't want to use this chart to beat you over the head with motivation and, and make you feel bad and condemn you. This is a tool for you to self-analyze and self-assess and be able to say, okay, I'm right here right now. How do I move up a little bit? And I might even, there's times when I'll challenge them uh, in, a, in a workout or a, or a practice. Every once in a while we've done this, you know, hey, take a minute. Where would you be at on the chart right now? What does it look like to move up a, a step or two for the rest of this workout or the rest of this practice or whatever it might be? Um, and, and put that in front of them. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big part of, of what we do with culture coordinator. I created an assessment that, um, isn't perfect. No assessment is, and they're, they're challenging for sure, but that, that, um, members, their team takes it. And then we p- compile all the data and try to give them some, some, uh, insights as to what's really motivating and driving their team right now and some steps for where they could go. And, uh, that's all part of, of that installing of the culture, just like you'd install offense or defense or whatever else. So, yeah. So coach, would you say that, I mean, obviously you don't want people down in your program that are in that bottom three that are Mm -hmm. motivated by fear, shame, or pride. But I mean, is, are you looking for them to kind of hit all four of those categories or do you, you know, just obviously be, Mm -hmm. where, where do you see a lot of your kids? um, Where do they land 
and those yeah. those uh, audience inter interdependent inter where do they fall on those? Yeah. So when you most of our underclassmen, especially our freshmen, are audience dependent. It's natural, especially for for boys, junior high age. You are so concerned with the world thinks and what everybody is, how they all um, are processing who you are and what you're doing, right, and evaluating you. Then, uh, and, and and so that's good. Those are good conversation starters, and we get opportunities often to then say, "What does it look like to move past that? How do you get to audience independent, where you're not dependent on someone being around? Well, you'll do the work on your own." Um, and, and, and what's keeping you from getting there. And so sometimes those are that I've had times and those have been really great, open, honest questions. And young men have really reflected well, much like we just did earlier with talking about things I regret. Right. And, um, trying to figure out what does it look like to take a big step forward? Um, and sometimes it's hard for them to get out of that. You know, they're stuck in that rut and, and there's guys that, that, that graduate sometimes still really, maybe not any higher than being motivated by pride. And it's really all just about people seeing them do well. Um, but, but at the, uh, w- when that, when that happens, hopefully we've, we've made an impact and given them an opportunity to be thinking about it, motivators that are beyond themselves at some point, uh, as they get older and, and we'll, and we'll stick with them as they grow and develop through their twenties and thirties, hopefully. So, yeah. And I think, and I think you speak to something that's really important from a program like the game of football, because there is no sport like it. There are no things that you can do that football does for so many people involved in so many different levels with players, managers, coaches, you name it. Um, so when you look at kids who are trying to move up the chain of motivation, uh, it's it's a daily conversation. It seems like to me, like if you're if all you ever, I, I've coached kids, all motivated by fear and pride. Like mm-hmm. I gotta look, I can't look bad and I can't play bad and I have to have the best uniform if I don't have it. I'm not going to play well and I can't do anything or I'm yeah. going to be sick um, or I'm going to have an injury. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you see it all the time. Kids that are self-limiting because of, quite honestly, fear of success. I, I, I don't know how else to maybe say that um, mm-hmm. because you define success as really giving your best for Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. uh, fulfilling the, the talents and gifts that you've been given. And I think quite honestly, any coach, um, if, if you if you weren't a faith-based person, would still want that to be the, the success for everybody, be the best version of you, whatever that looks like in embracing the role. But that's a, that, that is the million-dollar question of getting 75, 55, 30, whatever kids rowing the boat at the same time because everybody is so embraced into their role. And it's not something that happens easily, right? Right. Yeah. And I think that's why we talk about uh, uh, what it looks like to be motivated by love for the team. And that's why this Friday when we have our our, what we call leadership training, everyone can come, but it's leadership training. Why we're going to clearly define who we are. And it's my hope and my prayer that that our guys are going to see that and everybody's going to want to be a part of that. But it's also obvious and realistic that it, not everyone's going to buy into that perfectly, and not everyone's going to be as thrilled about that as, as, um, as I am, or as some of the guys are, or some of the coaches. And and certainly, what we stand for as a football program, we're thrilled about that as a school. You know, we want to be that kind of program. 
so it's it's a it's a it's a process that is always unfolding like you said a daily conversation it's giving kids new opportunities to self-assess and evaluate helping them hopefully see themselves more objectively teaching them some of those skills and and uh, just um, um, being able to have those kind of conversations and that get that takes us right back to where we were a while ago like you're not going to have those conversations and have them be successful if there isn't a tremendous amount of trust. If these guys don't believe that I want what's best for them, not just as players, but more importantly as people, then those conversations aren't going to go very well, you know? And so um, finding those ways to, to build relationship and build um, uh, a love for one another and a trust in one another is so critical. Coach, when, you mentioned earlier that you've been blessed to have several former players come back and, and join your staff as coaches, as well as some other things. And I think that's really special because it shows the impact that you've had on them and, and them wanting to be a part of what you're trying to, to accomplish in your program. But you know, one of the things Tim and I have always talked about is when we look at hiring uh, new coaches in our program is, you know, mm-hmm. we just are strong believers in being high character guys that, uh, you know, as far as the X's and O's go, we could always coach up to to be wherever we want them to be. But, uh, you know, what are the things that you look for when you're hiring coaches in your program or, or that want to, you know, be involved in your program, whether it be even just a volunteer coach? Yeah. So, um, you know, here at Lincoln Christian, again, clearly defined, like we have a statement of faith and we all got to agree on that first. I don't know what that would look like, what a parallel kind of document would be in a public school, but it'd be an interesting thing to try to develop, right? Like here are the eight things we've all got to agree about what it looks like to be involved at this school, or there's no point in talking anymore, (laughs) you know? So we have that. That's one thing that we do. And, and, uh, actually just processing that makes me want to think about what it would look like to write that at a public school. That I think that could be really powerful. I'm sure there's people doing something like that. Um, uh, character is a big thing. I, I want to know, uh, a lot about why you're involved in coaching. I want to know what roles you've had in the past. I want to hear you talk about those things. Uh, have you been willing to take on a new role because the team needed you to as a coach? Or are there things that you're good at and you only want to do those things? Um, you know, and like you said, I we, we are very much trying to be a systems team. I mean, we are flexbone, true, hardcore, Harding University flexbone. Um, and if you don't know what that means, then I feel bad for you. So, like... Like we are, we're, we're just, we'll, we'll teach you how to coach it. If you can relate to our kids and build that trust and you have that Christian character and you agree with who we are as a school, then we'll take care of the rest. And we're going to get there on defense too. I actually have a new defensive coordinator this year who I first met through FCA coaches marriage weekend, who is a perfect fit. And we're thrilled to have him and his wife and his family here. And so excited for that. And um, we'll get to that same place in on defense over the next few years. Um, so, I think that kind of answers in, in general, you know, the, the big thing is, are you, are you who we say we are and are we living that out too? And are you going to enjoy it here? Because those things are all true. You know, do you, do you do things in your program? Uh, you know, talks, I know you've mentioned several times about the FCA and it sounds like you're, you're pretty heavily involved with FCA in, in the state of Nebraska, but do you take advantage of those retreats for the FCA where you include your family? And so as, as a whole staff, it's not just you as coaches that are, you know, it's, it's truly a family group amongst your assistant coaches and kids and, and, mm-hmm. and spouses and all that kind of stuff. Do you, how do you incorporate that? Yeah. The answer is I would love to do a lot more of that. Uh, in fact, with my, our new defensive coordinator, that I just mentioned, um, 
him and his wife and his kids, I think it's another family that kind of adds to what we already have with our football staff. So I'm hoping our house on weekends um, that we've got family and, and um, you, you know, we've got all the coaches and their families over and eating and hanging out together some more than we ever have. It's been a little tough to get that momentum because I got a bunch of single guys who, who used to play for us who are too young to be married or, or hopefully will be married in the next several years. So who knows what will happen with them. But so that'll bring a little bit more of that momentum with us. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping that we can build some of that. That's a, I think that's such a key thing. Um, we all give so much and we all, um, we all got, if it's not with people you love and care about, then it's just, this is ridiculous. If, if it's not like what we, it's right. not worth it, you know? So you got to be with people that you believe in. And so we're going to, that's something I really want to build on. Actually, it's great timing going into this season for you to ask me something like that. I want to grow that for sure. Coach, couple couple things before we let you go tonight. Number one, um, what are some of the, some some really cool team building things that you've done uh, to to build that trust? Um, that's a good question. So, first of all, aside from just unity events in general, we just we just are here a lot, and I try to be at things and greet kids when they come in the door and chat with them about things I know are going on, um, but. Uh, I, here, here's some things that we do that are maybe a little unique and, and different or things that a lot of people are doing. We do a letter of intent, which I know a lot of people are doing. And uh, it outlines on one side what we as coaches promise to provide you as the players. And I sign on behalf of all the coaches. Then on the flip side, the things we want you as players to to do in order to take advantage of all those things we're going to provide. And they sign that on that side. We do that every spring. Um, and to me, uh, I've... I, that helps us again clearly talk about here's the here's the connection we're going to have and then we can just have conversations from there that help us say hey how can i help you get here on time how can i help you be at more of these mm. what does it look you know you said you wanted to do it let's do it i want to help you make that happen um the the other thing about building trust um uh this is i do in-home visits as often as possible mm. um and i have a little app called calendly that helps me schedule those and I visit as much as I can. In fact, I, that's, I didn't obviously get to do that these last several months. It's usually in the spring, right, when we've been in this whole situation. Um, and so uh, th that's a big one. And just I, I, if football comes up, great. If football doesn't come up, great. I, if it's a new family that I'm just getting to know for the first time because they're freshmen, um, you know, I just ask questions about their story. I just want to hear about where they came from. You know, how, how, did, how did we all get to here together, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, those kind of things, um, you know, we we have some sacred things <laughs> that you can't miss. We go to South Dakota State every year for team camp. Mm. Um, I, you know, uh, unsolicited plug for them. It's a great camp. Sure. Uh, their coaches treat you really well. And uh, when I took when I was named the new head coach here at Lincoln Christian some of the first questions were, we're still going to go to South Dakota state. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, this year we actually had a little something extra planned. I mean, you mentioned FCA many times, but a uh, uh, Robbie Tran, a great friend who coached here for uh, several years and now is with FCA was going to come up and uh, join us for that camp. We we're going to go a day early and do a whole bunch of leadership development stuff um, that him and I had all plotted out. And of course that all fizzled, but we are going to do it. Monday and Tuesday, July 20th and 21st instead. And I think that's going to be a huge couple of days for us. Um, very intentional about 
um, helping them live out those critical definitions I referenced earlier. Just there's about, there's five of them really that here's who we are. And then we're going to put them in challenging, physical, challenging, mental, challenging leadership type situations and, and, and challenge them to, um, lead that way and, and just be there to help them with that. Not to, not to be overly critical, but to instruct them and, and build that rapport and, uh, you know, give them that confidence that when it, when all heck breaks loose on Friday nights, they, they can step in and do just like they did at camp, you know? So, so those are some of the things that come to mind off the top of my head. We, we try to, we do a lot of little fun things that I call unity events, you know, whether that be a pool party or bowling or whatever it might be. We played laser tag one year. It was a ton of fun, those kind of things. So, and the kids are great in those situations. We played laser tag one time and you had to come up with your own like uh, nickname and someone nicknamed themselves coach Earl and dogged it on purpose and got like last. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that was not me. And everybody's like, sure, coach, you know, I, mean, yeah, I love it. You know, love yeah, it, love it. it's good. Yeah. So it's pretty good. Well, coaches, last question here before we wrap it up. We always would love to know what the guys that we have on and, and, and women that we have on here that are, you're reading, what's impacted you. What are some things that you'd like to share with our listeners about some things that some books that you've read and have impacted you? Oh, man. Okay. Oh, I read so much and I, I don't want to accidentally leave, leave one out. I'll, I'll start with just on, on, on my faith side, Desiring God by John Piper blew my mind. Um, if you're a believer in Christ, it's a, it's a must read, I think. Um, um, leading with love again, it's a Christian book, but there are some great things in there, regardless of what you believe about God and about Jesus. Um, it's a really good one. We've gone through that as elders at our church. Um, Anders Erickson, who just recently passed away, I think within the last month or so wrote a book called peak about how to really help people, how to put together a good practice. I'm actually going to be presenting on some of those, those things at our coaches, our little coaches clinic here in August. Um, I could do this all night. You know what really, you know what really got me? This is a really good beginning book that is, I think, very tangible for a high school kid. Michael Johnson from the 96 Olympics. You remember Michael Johnson when he oh, went yeah. 200 to 400? He came out with a book right after that called slaying the dragon. And it was about embracing pressure and setting goals. I ate that up as a high school freshman. And uh, yeah, I thought that was really good. Um, well, those are some, those are some great. Yeah, books, you know, yeah. Those are some good. And, and it sounds like you're an avid reader. Like Dwayne and I, you start reading, and you're like, Holy cow, there's so many that we've read. Uh, yeah. Um, but boy, I tell you, we have enjoyed our time tonight. Coach Earl, what an amazing 55 minutes has gone so fast. Um, I think some takeaways that we have is particularly for those new coaches. Don't, don't try to modify behavior, get to the heart of people, build relationships. And you do that through consistent conversations and, and creating momentum uh, throughout your program. And so those are some sage, sage pieces of advice that we really appreciate you bringing to the party tonight. And, and, and most importantly, we wish you all the best um, in your role right now, your, your new office, um, you know, we, 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 uh, we are in our third week of doing this live and, you know, we say it every time, but boy, it just, we just love what we're doing. We love getting guys like you who, who get it and, and know that we have a much bigger plan, uh, than just simply winning games. And so we're honored that you took the time tonight, coach. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm more than uh, glad to be here and thank you for including me. And I just want to remind everyone, like 
there's so much about what I can say here or about what anybody could say. And it sounds, sometimes it sounds like, Oh man, why can't we, you can do those things, but it's going to be ugly and there's going to be ups and downs. And, you know, it sounds a lot better in a little discussion like this than it happens in real life nine times out of 10. Right. And just don't get discouraged by that. Um, keep, keep fighting away and keep trusting that you're trying to do the right things for the right people. And, um, and stay with it and be faithful. It's a great profession, and uh, I just, I just know how it can it can be overwhelming and discouraging at times. But ultimately, we all know the right things, and we we just got to keep being more consistent. So, Amen. And if people want to find your website and, and reach out to you, how can they do that quick? Yeah, culturecoordinator.com. and then personally, Twitter is probably the best place to <laughs> at Kurt Earl fourteen, and uh, I'm always dinking around on there. So. Well, on behalf of myself, my host, uh, Dwayne Mathis and Coach Kurt Earl, we'd love uh, you to join us this time next week. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Hope you got better, got your notepad out. We'd also like to thank Coach Alba for hosting us on uh, clinic.chiefpigskin.com. As always, let's keep chasing life leaders.